I know you guys were super blessed with uh, Pastor Dan coming out uh, last week. I don't know if you guys knew this, Dan. He's the pastor over at Calvary Chapel LAX, and he's one of the guys that's on our board. And so really good guy, um, real easygoing, uh, loves the Lord, and it's cool to see what God's doing through his life. And uh, today we're going to pick it up. I know last week Dan talked about being a personal Jesus. Uh, we're going to talk about that day that Jesus came if you have a Bible, let's open up to Luke chapter 2. As we close the year off, we just got done with the book of 2 Timothy. And since Christmas is right around the corner, next week is going to be our official Christmas service. I thought, you know what, let's talk about it today. Let's try to get in the spirit, so to speak. And, uh, and then next week we'll... We're going to just see the kids, and it's going to be so cool have them sing. I love that. They always, always bless my heart when I hear the kids sing. But how many of you here, are, are you guys in the Christmas spirit? You know what I'm talking about? How many of you here are like, you know what? I'm not feeling it this year, man. A lot of times we feel that way, huh? How many of you here, just out of curiosity, um, put lights on your house? Christmas lights. Okay, so not very many. How many of you here have a Christmas tree? Okay, is that okay to do? Yeah. All right, we'll see. Anyways, um, how many of you here um, have started your shopping, Christmas shopping? No one's done yet, right? No one's done yet? Oh, yes, one person is done. Two. That's awesome. How many of you here have not started? Okay, you're not buying anything this year? Is that what it is? <laughs> you guys are in trouble, man. You're worse than me. Um, how many of you here made tamales? Just out of curiosity. And you can bring them, maybe, <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> Isn't it cool how we can do that this time of year, those traditions? Uh, I know we got our tree already, and then Monday, we always have this tradition of decorating the tree. Stephen Curtis Chapman, Christmas music is always playing in the background, and my wife is always baking chocolate chip cookies. Those three things have to happen as we're decorating the tree. And usually we're fighting, the kids and me, we're fighting, hey, come on. You know, you know when they're younger, they like to decorate the tree, and then when they get older, they don't get as excited as, as you are until maybe when they get their kids. But anyways, you know, I, I guess in one sense, we should always be in the Christmas spirit, so to speak, because it's an amazing thing that the Lord would come, that God would come to this planet. And so, you know, even if you're not feeling it yet, you know, I want to encourage you to kind of get in that groove by just stopping and contemplating what Christmas is all about, that Jesus Christ came, that God came to save us. And, you know, that's such an awesome thought. And we have the story here in Luke chapter 2. Look what it says in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. So Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and lied him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Caesar Augustus. And you know, one thing I want to tell you guys about Christmas, man, sometimes you're like, man, a Christmas story. I've taught this before, and maybe you've heard it before, huh? 
and you're like, man, give me something new. But I don't know. I mean, it doesn't have to be new. Huh? This is kind of the same story that we've heard over and over again. But in one sense, that same story, it never gets old. huh? And as a matter of fact, if you're just looking for something new, then it's probably not true, right? I mean, nothing new under the sun. We've heard these stories, but we need to be reminded of them. And the first thing we see is this journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Caesar Augustus, the ruler of the Roman Empire, the ruler of the world really at that point, he decided to have everyone registered, named and numbered in order to tax them. And so the decree went out under his authority and God's sovereignty, which then led Joseph, who was of the lineage of David, to the city of David, to this town called Bethlehem. Um, that word Bethlehem, some of you guys know, it means house of bread. How many of you here like bread? I love bread. You've got to pray for me, man. Sometimes I'll go to Northwoods Inn and I'll just, you know, give me some cabbage and a little bit of this, but I just want bread, you know, keep it coming, you know. And uh, bread in, in this context right here, though, in the biblical context, it, it carried the idea of sustenance. It keeps you alive. In the book of Exodus, chapter 16, we read about the manna that would come down from heaven, right? You guys remember that? When they didn't have the food and God would provide for them, they would go and gather six days out of the seven days, and they would gather the manna. And then over in the book of John, chapter 6, you know, when they were looking for a sign, Jesus said, you know what, this is the sign. I'm the manna from heaven. Moses gave you that manna, but you know what, I'm the bread of life. And when you think of Jesus being the bread of life, we love bread, we need bread, it's our sustenance to live. Now we know why he was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, where David was born as well. And so they, they go to Bethlehem, and Joseph takes his betrothed wife, Mary, who was, think about it, nine months pregnant. Both of them are probably still teenagers. Now, don't you think teenagers were different then than they are now? Now teenagers are more like, they're not teens, they're tweens, almost probably younger now, huh? Back then they had a sense of responsibility, but still at the same time, think about it, teenagers. What did you guys know when you were a teenager? Nothing, huh? Hardly anything. But here they are, they're on their way to Bethlehem from Nazareth, right? And they're going and they're taking this journey, and uh, they, they make it, the, the journey 70 miles, Think about that. That's probably like from here, maybe to Riverside. I mean, they're going all the way and uh, probably on a mule. We don't know for sure. We know they didn't walk, um, but they had, you know, this journey to take. And when they finally arrived there, they didn't have any royal reservations. As a matter of fact, there was no rooms in the Holiday Inn, right? And so they have to settle for a stable or maybe a cold cave. Uh, I know there was no heating. I know that for sure. There was no Wi-Fi that I know. And, you know, we're not 100% sure where they stayed. We just know that when Jesus was born, that he was laid in a feeding trough, which we know is used to feed animals, and that's where that tradition comes from, right? But they're there after probably hours of labor. Jesus is born, and then Mary bundled him up in swaddling cloths and laid him in there to keep him warm. And so you read that story, and you're like, well, well what's the big deal? You know, what's the big deal? I mean, I understand they made the journey. I understand they were young, but there was a lot of young parents back then, and there, you know, there was a lot of babies born in Bethlehem, and you're like, well, I don't get really the whole story. Well, it's there we know that 
his journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem is only part one of the Christmas story. But in one sense, it was just very, very natural. I remember when my children were born, I remember, you know, um, it's different nowadays. Um, I remember talking to my wife, and she told me about when she was born, talking to her mom. There was a day when the husbands, where they weren't really there during the birth, huh? You guys weren't really there. Like, as a matter of fact, I think my, my, my father-in-law dropped off my mother-in-law to have the baby, and then he went to watch the fight. They used to do it like that back then. I don't know. All I know is that um, nowadays, you know, the guys are all there, you know, and they're part of the Lamas class and everything, and I think that's really cool. In this situation, we are assuming that Joseph was there, and it was just this, this whole real intimate, quiet night. That's why we kind of sing that song, Silent Night. But why has that silent night become so, so loud? Why has it lasted so long? It looks like a normal birth, right? I mean, I remember when my kids were born, holding them, gazing at them, dreaming for them, wondering about the life they would live, and I would just pray for them. Ariel was late, and Aaron was a little early, indicative of their character. Um, Ariel is a little bit more relaxed. Aaron is kind of wound tight. Now I understand why they was born that way. Ariel was eight pounds. Aaron was only six pounds. And the reason for that is because Ariel, uh, when Ariel was in Shelly's womb, Shelly ate a lot of Taco Bell during that time. <laughs> so Ariel was a little heavier, right? And, uh, and, you know, it was just so cool when we see them born. It's a beautiful process. Uh, Shelly did really good delivering them both. I thank God I'm not a girl, right? Because <laughs> it hurts, man. But, you know, our kids are born, and that's how we're all born. And then, you know, yeah, it's a special day in one sense. We celebrate holidays, but what makes our birthday so different than this birthday? You know, why doesn't your birthday or our birthday stimulate the celebration of over a billion people every single year, not just one day, you know, I'll tell you guys this. When my wife, her birthday is not called birth, it's not a birthday, it's the whole week, right? She's all, this is my birthday week, just to let you know. You know, and you know, not that many people have that, but Jesus' birthday is, we know it's more than one day, it's a season, huh? It's a whole season of celebration, right? And so why? You know, you look at this, it looks so natural, you know, it's a journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. What makes our birthday so different than his birthday? Well, I think we know the reason, right? I mean, so many programs and plays and plans and songs, and there's a tree. Think about it. What would make you put a tree in your house? What would make you put lights on your house? What would make you make all those cookies and all those tamales and all the Christmas caroling and the Christmas cards? How many of you guys here sent out Christmas cards out of curiosity? That's kind of dying now, huh? How many of you got Christmas cards? So, oh, you guys are bad. You're getting them, but you're not giving them. I noticed that right there. <laughs> you know, they say there's an estimated 4 billion Christmas cards that are sent out every year. Now, that's a lot of cards. The White House sends out over 40,000 Christmas cards every single year. There's the gifts, there's the shopping. Americans, they say, will spend on the average $704 per household on gifts. Billions and billions of dollars. 
And all this is going on because of this baby's birth there in Bethlehem in what was maybe a, a cold cave 2,000 years ago. And again, you wonder why. Why is this so important? And I think you guys know why. Because it wasn't just a journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It was a journey from heaven to earth, right? As a matter of fact, that's what we read if you go over to Luke chapter 1. Look what it says here. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 1, yeah, verse 26. It says, and it had been revealed to him. Oh, I'm sorry, Luke 1, huh? Is it Luke 1 or Luke 2? I'm just joking. It's Luke 1 and verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you shall bring forth the Son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived also a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. You see, you guys, this is not just a journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. We know this is a journey from heaven to earth. Here we see the angel Gabriel sent from heaven to Mary announcing the grace of God and the miraculous mission that would be given to her, that she would be bring forth a son and that this son would be great. Notice there in verse 32 who he is. It says that he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. You know, verse 35 calls him the holy one. And notice the extent of his kingdom there again in verse 32. It says, and he will reign over the house of Jacob for how long? Forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. You know, if you're not in the Christmas spirit, and if you're not in awe, it's because you, you have forgotten. You have forgotten. You have neglected the fact that God has come to save you. Almighty God. You know, he came to save us. Matthew one twenty one, And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, and to me, that story never gets old. It never gets old, and it never gets boring. It always stirs me up. It always trips me out, you know? I mean, we're impressed with a 70-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem without shock absorbers, nine months pregnant. We're impressed with that, right? But this one's a little bit more impressive. Man, this is from heaven to earth. The infinite, the infinite one. And I don't know if you can understand that. The infinite God became flesh. God became a man. 
You know, one of the attributes of God that I think is so cool is the immensity of God, and that is that He's everywhere in His fullness at all times. And so, what that means, He doesn't need to know. Does not have. It's not like He has an arm in you know West Covina and His left arm in Covina. It's not like that. God is everywhere in His fullness at all times. Right? The immensity of God is so amazing, and when you think of that same God everywhere in His fullness now coming and being conceived within the womb of Mary, you know, to one thirty-second of an inch. Think about how small that is. That's the size of the period in your Bible. That's how big, how small God became. When you think of that, it just, it should, it's supposed to blow you away. That's why 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Great is the mystery of godliness, that he became, that God was manifested in the flesh. It should, it should trip you out. It's supposed to trip you out. You see, the son of Mary on that night who was born is the son of God. Isaiah 7.14 says, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Here's the sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean, you guys? God with us, Right? Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You see, he's the one that came. And when we celebrate this, I pray that we would, you know, I pray that we would know what it is we've been given. Henry mentioned that verse earlier in John 3.16, and there's a reason why that's probably one of the most famous passages of all time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Do you remember that? Do you know that, or have you forgotten that? Are you living your life in light of that? I pray that we would. You know, someone might ask you, what would you get for Christmas? And you can tell me I got one of the new Samsung watches. Have you guys seen those things? They're amazing, man. No, what'd you get for Christmas? I got new vans, just to let you know. It's kind of funny, because my wife got me new vans, and uh, she's all, what are you wearing those for? Those are for Christmas. I'm all, sweetheart, I'm sorry, but they were there, you know. <laughs> you know, what'd you get for Christmas? And you can tell them I got Jesus. You can tell them that. I got Jesus, I got life, I got forgiveness, I got freedom, I got salvation. Tell you what, what else do I need? You know, and, and I do look forward to gifts, and I go back and forth on this. I hope you guys, I, don't, I hope you don't mind my confusion in this area. You know, some people say, well, it's not about gifts, and you know, don't get gifts, and you know, you, you know I don't know. I, I kind of want to get gifts for my kids. You know, and they're a little older now, and of course, you don't want to spoil them. You don't want them to miss the meaning of Christmas. Have you guys ever seen those videos where you got these two-year-olds that are opening gifts, and they're like totally unappreciative, and they over the net, oh, that's all I got was socks? <laughs> I tell you what, man, I like getting socks and, you know, underwear. I mean, I could say that. Before my mother-in-law used to get me that stuff, I'd be like, oh, I don't get it. Now I get it. Now that she's gone, I'm like, man, I need that stuff, you know? But, you know, all I'm saying is that, you know, I, I mean, when I was a kid, and I didn't get a lot, but I would get, like, let's say, a train set one year. Or one year I got a bicycle. Or one year I got a stereo where I could bump on a summer. I remember, man, th those, those years. 
Um, what it did for me anyways, and I know we all have to be really careful with this, but it made this a special day. It was cool. There was this a gift given that I, 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 maybe I, I needed, you know, socks and, and I wanted, you know, a train set. I don't know if there's anything completely wrong with that. I don't think there is. Because in Jesus, we know he is what we need. But I tell you what, he's also what we want. I would say this, though. Don't let it, you know, put you into debt. Don't let it wear you down. Don't let it freak you out. But do pray about the Lord leading you in gift giving. Because ultimately, it's symbolic of the fact that he gave us his son. And when our kids, they have a good connection with Christmas... It kind of, you grow up, and I still, I still love this season, right? It's kind of like coming to church. You know, a lot of the kids that come to the church, and you guys don't know this because you kind of get upset with them, but they like coming to church. They, they like kind of maybe running around a little bit. They love coming to church service, right? And I want them to have a good connection. That way when they get older, they're going to have, oh, yeah, I like going to church service. Same thing. But for us, ultimately, we tell people, you know, well, I got, I got Jesus. I got the sovereign son, the saving son, the celestial son. You can tell them truthfully that God was a gift that you got unwrapped this year. That's why Paul wrote to the Corinthians and to us in a second letter, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know, over the years, I don't know about you, but I have received a lot of cool gifts. Um, you know, I, I broke most of them eventually, right? I lost most of them. I remember the first camcorder I got, the first camcorder. It was black and white, but it was cutting edge. <laughs> now it doesn't work, you know? <laughs> Bottom line is, however, I've come to realize that if I want to go beyond the seasons, greetings and happy holidays and all the man-made, generic, sometimes superficial celebration, what I need to do is I need to take those three journeys. I see, I see Nazareth to Bethlehem. I see the way Jesus was born. I also see heaven to earth. I, I see the way that, that God came. But it's not over yet. There's one more journey that has to, has to take place. And for that, let's go back over to chapter 2. In verse 8, notice what happens. It says, There was in the same shepherds, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. You see, not only is it a journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and not only is it a journey from, from heaven to earth, but it's also a journey from my head to my heart. It's got to go that, that, that 18 inches. This has got to sink in. Otherwise, you know what's going to happen? It's going to come and go. This season will go. Your life will go. Bye. And you will miss out on the fact that God, Almighty God, came in such a way to save your soul. It's got to go from here to here. Wouldn't you guys say that most of the people out there, it hasn't made that 18-inch journey? Wouldn't you guys say that? I mean, you go out there and people are just, they're crazy. Can't believe, well, maybe, I don't know. Will a Christian, would a Christian camp out in front of Best Buy for two days? I don't know. Maybe they would. <laughs> I guess that's not a sin in and of itself, but sometimes we miss, we miss the whole point. You know, and, uh, and we are orthodox in our beliefs, but our heart is cold. Our heart is distant. We're not in tune with the fact that, you know, look at the journey that God, you know, traveled. Look at what God has done. Look at what the Father has given. You know, I, I, my son, I love him so much. You know, and, you know, He's not a perfect son, just like I'm not a perfect dad. But I tell you what, man, I, I, for me to give him away so that he could suffer on a cross, be separated from him, that's never happened. That's what the father did with his son. That's what Christmas is all about. It's a great sacrifice. It's a great mystery. To me, it's just amazing that the one who you know, poured out the rivers with his crystal chalices, the one who created this whole universe by the power of his word. You know, think about that. Pouring out those rivers and oceans, he was thirsty. The one who made the corn to grow was hungry. The one who through his divine endless energy created everything was, was tired. The one who was life itself came to die. Why? He came for you. And we see this journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, from heaven to earth, and, you know, maybe you're not that impressed. Maybe you're not that blessed. Well, it's because it hasn't gone from here to here. You know, and we're here today, and this is a message I know we've heard many times, but, but how does that happen? How does it go from here to here? How does it make that journey you know, the first one 70 miles. The second one is eternity. And yet the third one, I think, is probably, in one sense, the most difficult of all for man. The 18 inches is probably the most difficult of all. Here in our text, we see shepherds. They're just kind of, you know, doing their job, right? They're going about their business. It was an ordinary evening, just like today. Although it's a Sunday, in one sense it's a special day, in one sense it's just kind of like an ordinary day, right? 
And anyways, when they're there, the Lord, He kind of lifted the night. He exalted the night like no other night in the history of the world. And God sent His messengers. It was kind of like a veil between heaven and earth was just ripped open. And the angel said there in verse 10, notice again, do not be afraid because, you know, immediately they'd be afraid just seeing angels. He says, don't let that get in the way. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then there's a big debate on whether or not the angels sang. Do you guys think the angels sang? How many think he, they sang? You see the stories, right? Well, it, just to let you know, it doesn't say they sang. Although I wouldn't be surprised. It says they were praising God. They were praising God, but then it says they were saying. Okay, so I'll let you decide on that. Anyways, you know, there they are. And, uh, and he tells them, you know, that the, the angel, uh, the angels say that the, the Savior, Christ the Lord, you know, he's, he's born. This is going to be the sign, man. You're going to see a baby who's, 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 who's wrapped in swaddling cloths. And you're like, well, that's not a sign. Here's the sign. He's lying in a feeding trough. That's a sign. When was the last time you saw a baby lying in a place where animals are normally fed? Anybody here ever seen one of those? I feed my dog his bowl of food every day. Even though it's supposed to be Aaron's job, I do it, right? And it's dirty, it's dirty, and I don't usually wash it, to be honest with you. Probably should, huh? Anyways, um, that was a sign. The Savior is born to you today. The Savior, Savior of the world. You're going to see him. You're going to see him, his little babies wrapped in swaddling cloths. And this is how you're going to know who it is. Out of all those babies that you might see tonight, here's how you're going to know that this is the one we're talking about. He's going to be lying in a feeding trough. And that's, that's how God came. That's how God came to us. You know what it is? To me, when I think of that, I just think, man, the humility of God. I mean, he could have been born in Jerusalem. He could have been born in a five-star hotel. You know, but God humbled himself. And, you know, I'm not sure for sure why he was born in a feeding trough, but I have a feeling that this is probably the reason is because of the fact that he had chosen Joseph and Mary. Out of all the people in the whole world, they were the ones that God chose to raise his son. I think that's really the main reason you know, Joseph was a just man. You can see Mary, how she loved the Lord. We don't exalt Mary. We don't worship Mary. We don't believe she's the queen of heaven. But I tell you what, when you read the Bible, she was a very special woman. And of all the people in the whole world, God chose them, right? And, and their hearts were right, and they were the ones that God was going to use. But here's the thing about them. They were poor. They were very, very poor. And so, you know, ends up, can't find a room, goes to Bethlehem. We end up here. Where are we going to put the baby? I remember when I was little, I always tell you guys this so you'll feel sorry for me. I was, uh, 
I slept in a dresser, dresser drawer. That was my crib. Do you feel sorry for me? You're like, no, look at you now. You got nice vans, right? <laughs> we don't feel sorry for you, and that's good. I don't want you to. But all I'm saying is it's kind of strange. And then here's God in a feeding trough. That's the sign. And so when they see all these angels and they're like tripping out on this whole thing, you know, um, in verse 15, it says right there, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds, they said to one another, they started having this conversation, hey, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. It's the first Christmas rush right there. No, here's the point. When they heard the story, in this case from the angels who were messengers, but when they heard the story, they went to check it out. They went to check it out. They went to investigate. They went to see for themselves. And I think, and if I could just share this with you, because I, you know, we've been have celebrated many Christmases, I think this is what we need to do. It's okay to go get your gifts, and it's okay for you to bake your cookies and to decorate your tree with Stephen Curtis Chapman music. You know, it's okay for all those things. They're beautiful. I love the lights and the poinsettias and all those things. But here's the thing: you got to go with haste, and you got to stop somehow in the midst of all the busyness of this season. And you got to get on your knees. Somehow, some way, you got to see it for yourself. And you're like, well, I did that already. Do it again. And again and again and again. And I, and I promise you this. That if you and I would go and seek the Lord and seek this truth and get on our knees and open our Bibles and, and lift our voices to the Lord, if we go searching for Jesus, there's a promise in the Bible. You're going to find him. You know, as some of you here, you're struggling in your walk. You're struggling in your life. You know, Dan was talking last week about a personal Jesus. And you, you're, you don't have that. You're not walking with him. You're not talking to him through life. You don't feel his strength or his peace or his joy. Well, is it his fault? Has God left you? Has God changed? No, he has not moved. He's the same God. He said, I change not. His love hasn't faded. A lot of times what happens is we have left our first love. And I'm here to tell you today that he's there for you to find. We got to do the same thing the shepherds did. This is the pivotal part of the whole story that we seek the Lord. You know, and they didn't just talk about it. Again, look at verse 15. They said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. It wasn't just a conversation. Because we read that in the next verse, that they went. Have you learned that lesson in life yet? How many of you here, you live on good intentions, but you don't have a whole lot of actions? 
You know, I'm going to write that letter to that guy that needs to hear in prison. Yeah, you've been saying that for about a year now. Oh, I'm going to seek the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Yeah? Are you doing it? I don't know. All I'm saying is that here they have this conversation, good intentions, and then they follow through with some amazing actions. Their words match their walks. Remember I told you guys before, they're not just uh, walkie, they're not just talkie-talkies. They're walkie-talkies. Right? They, they walk their talk. They don't just talk. They don't just talk. They don't just go to church. They're not just like superficial Christians who have the bumper sticker or send out the messages or whatever. You know, they are real. They love the Lord and they have a personal, intimate relationship with Him and they get blessed. And so they begin to search. It's a serious spiritual search from the soul of man for the Savior of the world. You know, and, and we, we really should do the same. We really should. You know, when they went back um, to their shepherd's field, I'm pretty sure that after having that experience with Jesus, they were never the same. Never the same. And when you have a real encounter with the Lord, you know, I promise you, man, I pray that you would know this, that you'll never be the same. You know, God does a work. And what we find right here is that God wants us to know the way that it works and as we seek Him. Like Dan said last week, if you were here last week, you know, before you were a Christian, God sought you. He went looking for you. He knocked on that bar where you were drinking or He, you know, searched for you as you were running from Him, relentless in His pursuit for you. But then, now as we're Christians, um, God, you know, he'll stir things up and he'll allow us to go through trials and stuff, but really, now it's your responsibility to seek him. And as you seek him, he says, if you promise to seek me with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, then I promise you, you'll find me. And then lifted will be the depression. Lifted will be the discouragement. Lifted will be the way that you are being bombarded by the enemy and you don't have victory in your life. God will do a great work. You know, before we were Christians, our spirit was dead. You guys know that, right? We're trichotomy, body, soul, and spirit. Adrian Rogers reminded me of this the other day. I was so blessed by the study that he gave. You know, he's talking about body, soul, and spirit. You know, body being just that physical part of you, right? Kind of like a plant. A plant has a body. Does it have a, a, a soul? Does it have a spirit? No. Now here's the interesting thing. How about animals? Animals. Interesting. Animals have a, have a, have a, have a body, but there's something more to them, right? There's something more to them. They have a, a will, they, do you think animals have emotions? Do you ever see your dog sad, happy, um, hungry? No, hungry probably doesn't work. Um, you know, they have, a, they have a will. Do they ever get, you know, the, the obedient sometimes, disobedient sometimes? We have, we have emotions, 
which means we are intellectual people, we are volitional people, right? We have a will. But before we're Christians, our spirit is dead. But when we become Christians, what ends up happening is more than the plant that just has this physical part, and more than you know, the, an the animals that have physical and emotional parts, so to speak, now we have a spiritual part. And with that spiritual part of you, the spirit of the inner man, we can now have a personal relationship with God. Intimate. We can hear his voice. We can pray. We can have fellowship with him. And I just want to pray, you guys, that you, this Christmas season, would, would do that, you know? Um, I want to encourage you. I want to just point you to the Lord. You know, God gave you his son, right? And here's the thing. Have you guys ever done this? And I'll just close with this. You know, you give a gift for Christmas, um, and maybe someone doesn't give you one back. They didn't give me a, I gave them a gift. They didn't even give me one. Do you ever, ever get upset about that? Probably don't get upset about it. But I don't know. To me, it's like, okay, well, God gave a gift. God gave a gift, right? What did you guys get for Christmas? What's the answer? Jesus. I got God. I got Jesus, right? Here's a question. And I'm just going to ask you this. What are you going to give him? Are you going to give him anything? I pray you would. I pray we would. I pray I would. I pray I would give him my heart. I give him my life. I pray that I would move from just good intentions to true actions. And now this Christmas season, I will seek him with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength. I'll turn off that television if necessary. I'll go into my garage. For me, that's my quiet place. I'll get on my knees and I'll seek the Lord. You know, we got to give him our life. And if you haven't done that, I pray that today would be the day, you guys. A new start, great time of year, man, to exchange gifts with God. He'll bless you. Big time, he'll bless you. And so let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us just to stop. A message we've heard before, Lord, but something I know that I need to hear. We see the, the natural realm, the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and, and it is nice. We see, Lord, the journey from heaven to earth, and it just blows our mind. God, that you would come to us the way that you have. But now, Lord, there's still another journey that he's, needs to happen again. Even though maybe we've done this journey before, in one sense we need to do it again and again and again. Lord, that this truth would go from head to heart. And Lord, that we, we would make that journey. That we would go to you. That we would seek you. And I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that you help us to do just that. And that this, when this Christmas season ends, that we'll be able to look back and say, what a blessing my life changed. That was a special one. And so, Lord, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's all stand.
and we'll close with a song. God bless you guys.